The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. I, uh, this, this is like, I, I love the summer um, because of how much we can put some more emphasis on spiritual development. And uh, last night, or Heather got home from the women's retreat. So ladies, I heard that was an awesome time. I saw pictures. So men, thank you for sharing your ladies and thank you for, for sending them on that. It was awesome. And uh, the feedback and just what God was doing was incredible. So um, I know they're ready to relax and rest for a couple of days and then start planning the next one. And uh, it was great. And then tomorrow, um, our student ministry leaves for camp. And uh, we've got VBS coming, so be praying for our students as they travel tomorrow and uh, spend the week away from mom and dad. And, and for the moms and dads who are sending their youth, be, uh, they're like, yes, freedom. So it's just a week, though. Your kids are coming back on Friday. And then we've got VBS in a couple weeks. And I like the summertime because of the emphasis that we can put into some spiritual development in the lives of our, of our families. And so um, thank you for participating in those and, and being a part of those and volunteering at those and, and making those such an incredible success. Um, I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, we're glad you're here. And um, we just want you to relax. We want you to fill out a card if you're comfortable and we can get some information to you about who we are. Um, We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, so if you've got your Bible, let's go there. Um, While you're turning there, if you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. We want want you to have that. That's our gift to you. Ephesians is a letter in the New Testament that that Paul wrote. Paul was a, a guy that God radically saved. And if you're unfamiliar with Scripture on how to find it, Ephesians is in the New Testament. The Bible's broken up into Old Testament and New Testament. There's a table of contents in the beginning of the Bible, and it will show you what page Ephesians is on. And the big numbers of the chapters will be at chapter 4. The little numbers of the verses, we're going to be at verse 11. Um, What I want to do, though, is um, I would like to stop and pray because I was just checking my phone and... uh, I got an update, a news update, and I don't know if you saw or heard the story um, overnight in Orlando, but there was a shooting at a a nightclub, and the update that I got on my phone a few minutes ago was that 50 people, 50, 5-0, lost their lives. Um, And so I'd like for us to stop and pray um, for the families uh, of those victims and for God to just pour grace um, and healing, and and, um, I'm grateful for the first responders who who got there as quick as they could, and, and um, I know they had some tough choices to make. So I just want to, can we as a church lift them up and lift the families up? So can we, can we do that? Can we pray before we get into this word? Um, Father, we um, know that you are in control of everything, and then there are things that happen that we just, um, we, we struggle with that we don't like that are, that are, that are, are terrible. And um, Father, I just pray for your, uh, your grace in Orlando over those 50 lives. I pray for your grace over the families that are this morning reeling um, from tragedy. Uh, Father, I thank you for the men and women who are willing to, to charge into difficult situations and put their lives on the line to protect others. And, and Father, I just pray um, your blessing. I pray that um, where the enemy tried to cause division, you bring unity, um, what the enemy intended for harm, that God, you, um, in a way that only you can do through your redemption, um, work for good. Um, Lord, help us to continue to pray for them, to love them, and, 
extend a grace that, that uh, as you show us how, we're faithful to operate in that. We love you, um, and we ask for your, your hope in this situation. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Um, I'm sure there'll be more news coming out about that. Just be praying about that. Um, you know, it, it, it's a tragedy, and we're going we're gonna to go to God, and we're going to submit that to him. Um, so Ephesians chapter 4, we've been, we've been tracking through the book of Ephesians, and I call it a book. It's actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Ephesus, and it was written to the believers. This is first century AD. Um, Paul is uh, writing under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write this letter to the church. This becomes a cycle or a circulatory letter where it's designed to be read at the church and then passed to other churches in the region. And what's beautiful about it, it's been passed down and is a part of our scripture for us to gain benefit. Um, Paul's been, he's been building throughout this entire letter Um, Chapters one through three is building a doctrinal foundation for us to stand on. So he's, he's declaring the truth of what's already been accomplished in Christ. And then in chapter four, we start this, this practical way of living it out. Paul says, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, that now you have a responsibility to live life as a church in a different way. And he begins to go into this practical application And through chapter four, we've had to break it down because honestly, um, there's so much going on in these verses that that we need to break it down into something manageable that we can then say, okay, this is how this applies to, to not just my life, but this is how this applies to the church's life because the church isn't just me. The church isn't just you. The church is us. The church is us together. And together we are stronger. I, 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 I'm part of a workout class and it's called team training. And on, on the sign outside, there's an acronym for team. And if, if, if you don't know me, you know, I'm, I kind of get a little cynical at acronyms and stuff like that. Um, and, and like when I preach, I, I really don't like the three points to all start with the same letter. I don't know why. That's just something that checks up inside of me. But it, the acronym says this, team, together everyone achieves more. Now, I get that. I agree with that. That's like church. When we are together, we achieve more. There's, there's something definitely um, incredible about when we come together. And so we've been kind of tracking through this. The team thing is stuck in my mind. And you're going to see today, it's kind of funny. I, 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 I'll show you which point I intentionally changed so that they don't all start with R. Because um, it would be the pirate message, right? It'd be like, R. What'd you learn at church today? R, Jesus. Um, that, I don't know where that came from. We're going to pray for Adam and the saints shirt and pray for me because there's something going on inside of there that just, that just came out. I don't know. Um, where was I? <laughs> Paul starts, Paul starts uh, really laying this foundation about our togetherness, our unity in the gospel. And he, he says that you've been, you've been brought together and there's grace that brings you together. There has to be grace that, that wraps up our relationship. He says there has to be a solid foundation, and that's the truth of God's word. That's the doctrine that we stand on. And then everyone in the church, every believer in Christ, every follower of Christ, or every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And we bring those gifts together and achieve things as a team as we work together. Um, what I, many of you last week checked uh, on the card and wrote, I really want to know what my spiritual gift is. And we're working on communicating and getting that to you and helping you work through that. It's, here's what I've found with spiritual gifts. 
they really are made more clear in the context of community. What do I mean by that is I, I grew up trying to play basketball, and in my driveway, I was a superstar. Remember that? Guy, every guy has done this. If you, if you don't admit to this, I'm going to call you out right now. But every guy has done this, whether it's basketball, football, whatever sport. But in basketball, I'd be in the driveway. I'd be dribbling. I was like, all right, it's the final game of the championship. Down by one. He's charging in. It's like three, two, one, and you do a layup. And then you look back. It doesn't go in. So what do you do, guys? Last game of the championship, <laughs> down by one. You know what I'm talking about. We've all done that. We do that. That's the way we give ourselves those do-overs. But in the, in the driveway, I'm the hero of the championship, even if it takes me 20 shots to try to make the winning shot, right? But what I really found is when I work in a team, I start learning where I, I, I wasn't the best shooter on the team, but I was a good defense guy. And so we start to learn where we, where we fit best in the team. And so our faith isn't supposed to be just a driveway faith. It's supposed to be uh, worked out and lived out in context of community and part of a team so that, that your gifts help my gifts and my gifts help your gifts and our gifts help other gifts. And, and those gifts are designed for the growth of the church because when we work in this to gospel togetherness, it becomes a catalyst for growth, that the church is designed to grow. You and I are designed to grow. I mean, when we are born, we start growing physically. We're expected and 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 even coached on how to grow mentally and emotionally. We're supposed to do that as well spiritually. And that happens with a healthy organism. And the church, when it's healthy, grows. And the church is an organism. And I hear a lot of people talk about the church being an organization, and there is organization that exists in the church. You know, I, I was in this boat, and I hear people say, I don't, I don't like organized religion. And to that, what I, I could ask, do you like disorganized religion? I mean, <laughs> the polarity. But, but we start to think church is so much an organization. No, no, no. If you think church is an organization, you've missed the point. Church is living and breathing. It's an organism. Let me explain to you how the organization works in. Organization is, is important in the life of church. But think of it this way. The organization becomes the trellis that the organism grows so the church grows, and the organization becomes a trellis for us to have the structure and that growth. Jesus said in John 15, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I abide in him, he bears a lot of fruit. He bears much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. So what happens is the vine is firmly planted, firmly planted and rooted. See, our... See, anytime I mess up, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, ah, and you're going to love me. Um, the vine is firmly planted, and then we're the branches. And, and so when there is a healthy vine, the branches grow. Where there are healthy branches, there's going to be fruit. And the, the organization creates that trellis for us to grow up and to grow out and for us to go and be effective in the kingdom of God. And so... We start looking here at the body and the function of the body of Christ and how it relates in Ephesians 4 when Paul says, let's look at how it look, what it looks like to practically walk this out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start in verse 11, and so we'll kind of catch up and then go into the next section. 
and he, this is Jesus, giving gifts. So our gifts come from Christ through the Holy Spirit, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there's a function here to build up um, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature adulthood or manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the fullness of Christ is the measuring stick. That's the mark that we're aspiring for maturity. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So Paul's saying again here, look, as you grow up, as you, as you are formed together, as you mature, you need to be able to recognize doctrine so that it doesn't sway you and think, well, this is how God works or this is how God works. We get back to the truth of what God's word says, not what we think. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So Christ is the head, we grow up in him. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So when the body is healthy and joined together, it's going to grow and it builds itself up. It, the, or, the organism begins to experience the life that comes from the vine and produce the fruit. And so I want to break this down a little bit that, that you and I, as a part of the body, that we are the body of Christ. He is the head. That we are designed and called, what Paul says, for building up the kingdom, for growing the church. So what does that mean? That means the church needs to be reaching. We need to reach out. We need to be reaching the community. We need to be reaching our family. We need to be reaching because that is the way that growth happens. You're here because someone reached out to you. And when you think about, think about this, um, someone, you have, there is a face. When you think about, if you are a Christian, and you think about your faith story, or some people call it testimony, but when you think about your faith story, there is a face that's going to come to mind. I mean, you will think about it. It, it, it may be your grandmother. It might be your neighbor. It might be your mom, your dad, your, your sister. It might, some of you, it might be your kids. But there is a face that comes to mind when you think about your faith story. God used that person to reach you. So when you think about this, let me ask you this question. Right now, there's somebody struggling on their belief in God or they're, they're wrestling with God. Does your face come to their mind? Who are you reaching out to? I mean, that, that's a question we should always be asking ourselves. Who am I reaching out to? And then you think about this in context of, of the church, where in Ephesians, if you back up in chapter 2, we, we see this incredible definition of the church in verse 19. He says, so then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place. So, so we have this us mentality when it comes to church. And he says that you were far off and you've been brought near. You were aliens and now you're citizens. And, and when you start to think about this functionally, you start to see that, that church becomes the vehicle to build the kingdom. If you're, if you're aliens, you're strangers, and you're brought into as a citizen, let, let me help explain this. I mean, we, we talk about the kingdom of God, and we sing about Jesus, our king. And this is hard for us to grasp in our context of government in the United States, but, but here's what we have to realize as Christ followers where our citizenship is. I'm proud to be an American, but my citizenship is primarily heaven. It's first heaven, then America. And so we've got to think about this, and it's got to change our mindset, because if there's a kingdom, there's a king. And if there's a king, he's ruling and reigning. If the king is not ruling and reigning, he doesn't have a kingdom. So there's a kingdom, there's a king, he is ruling and reigning, and you and I live in submission to the king. So we are now citizens of a new kingdom. See, what happens is through the cross is Jesus reaching out to us. And through that grace and forgiveness that, that was shed on us through the cross, that we now can move from a different kingdom, the kingdom of darkness where we are ruled by sin and death into the kingdom of light where we are ruled and reigned by Christ who is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that changes our entire perspective. See, we're not, we're not called to just change kingdoms. Too many, too many times we think, okay, I'm moving from the kingdom of, of darkness to the kingdom of light, but I'm still living under the same structure of society that the kingdom of darkness puts on me. We're called to live in a completely new kingdom. And that's where, that's where our king reached out and he brought us in through his grace shed on the cross that we now proclaim the gospel. The gospel is the proclamation of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So who are we reaching to? Who are we sharing this proclamation of what Jesus has done on the cross with? That hey, he is the king over a new kingdom. That's why I think that, that the gospel is, it, salvation is a major component of the gospel. But if it was just about salvation, as soon as we accept Jesus Christ as our savior, then he would take us home, right? That he would pull us out of all this stuff. But the reality is, is the gospel goes beyond salvation. It means that we now live in a kingdom under the rule and reign of our king of kings. That the gospel, it saves me, yes. And the gospel will see me safely home, but between now and then, the gospel sustains my life. 
And we're not just called to reach people with the gospel. We're called to teach. This is the equip. If you wanted the three, the, the third point's gonna be an R. If you wanted this one to be an R, if you're just that kind of personality, write redeem. <laughs> reach and redeem. Equip. You and I, as the church, are called to help build up the church in unity, the goal of the body. What Paul lists in, in this, these verses in, in chapter four, he lists that we are to be equipping, we're to be building, we're to strive towards maturity. This measure of stature of which Christ is the measure. He says we should be no longer children. We should grow up. We should operate in the wisdom that comes through the word of God so that we're no longer bouncing back and forth between these ideas of God. We have the truth of who God is. We have this doctrine and why he does what he does. And we learn this about him and we're called to grow in this and be equipped in this. And this growth is deep and it's wide. I I hear people say, I just wanna grow deep. Well, the problem is, is, is you're not thinking overall growth. When I, I grew up on a farm, and, and one of the things I did for fun was dig holes. I have no idea why. There wasn't a whole lot to do, okay? Here's what I've learned about digging holes. If you dig deep, it's going to go wide. Think about this. I mean, I was watching, we were sitting on the beach a couple weeks ago, and these kids start digging in the sand. The deeper they get the side caves in. And so they keep digging deep. The side caves in. They're digging, they're digging. What they end up with is a deep and wide hole. We've got to think about this with our growth. I don't want to just go deep. I want to, I want to be wide. I want to be, I want to be well-rounded. I want to be fully mature. And, and we've got to explain this, that this isn't just head knowledge. I mean, we, we've, got to, we've got to study and show ourselves approved but we've got to have the head knowledge so we can speak the truth. But Paul says in verse 15 that we speak it in love. He says we, we grow up. We mature in Christ with each other. So our growth means that as we grow up, we grow in our maturity. We grow in stature. We grow. We, yes, we've got to understand and study and show ourselves approved, but we also have to have a connection in the heart so that we love others. So we speak the truth in love is what Paul says. Let me help you break this down by speaking the truth in love. It's not the Ricky Bobby with all due respect where we can say with all due respect and say whatever we want, no matter how hurtful it's gonna be. But I said with all due respect, speaking the truth in love, this is the, we, we, we abuse this in, in the church. I'm speaking the truth in love. No, you're beating a person up. Speaking the truth in love means this. Say what is truthful and good in a way that is redemptive and respectful. That's what the body is called to do. So when we grow up, if you grew up having siblings, you know fighting is a reality of the household, right? I know this. I got two older sisters and a younger brother. I know fighting. But there's a point when you start growing in your maturity, you're able to avoid some of those arguments and some of those fights because of that maturity. That's what the church is called to do. We're to grow up in Christ. It's a balance in our discipleship. 
We grow in. How do we grow in? That's our relationships with each other. So our heart connects to one another. The best way I can give an example of this is, is when Paul says this joined together. This is in context of community. Now we have community groups kicking off. And, and for example, you know, we've got guys that are going to the 33 men's study on Wednesday nights. That's a place to engage your mind. That's in place to, uh, to learn more about our relationship with God and, and what Scripture says. But also in that context of community, there's a heart connection because guys are able to connect with other guys on a heart level. I know that's difficult for most of us men. But it's a place where we connect at a heart level that I don't just know the Word of God. I'm sitting with a guy who truly cares about my development, my growth. I'm sitting with a guy that can help me in my accountability so that when I see him next week and he asks how I'm doing, I'm not gonna put on the fake face and lie and say, I'm fine, I haven't faced any temptation. That there's an honesty that happens and then these men serve with each other, the hand. So balanced discipleship is studying, learning, experiencing emotionally with other people and then serving, doing something with it. That's how we grow in. And then we grow out. We're called to reach other people. It goes back to the first point, reaching. We are reached to reach. God brings us in. He reaches us. See, the purpose of equipping is this. It's for release. See, we're... we're God reaches us, he equips us, and then he says, now you're released. And he continues this process over and over and over again. That our purpose is great in this world, and Jesus has an incredible purpose. Think about this. Paul said that Jesus is the head, we're the body. What is the purpose of the body? Why, the purpose of the body is to carry out the directives of the head. My body doesn't do anything unless my mind, my brain tells it to. My hand doesn't grab anything unless my mind says reach out and grab that. My feet don't move. Nothing moves in my body unless my mind tells it to. I mean, even things we don't want to do. Steve and I were talking, Pastor Steve and I were talking in the lobby between services, and he's like, he's like, you know, so if I'm walking through the grocery store and I just, I just struggle and I just grab the chocolate, your hand doesn't want the chocolate. Your mind wants the chocolate. Me too. Hey, this is a me too church. I'm a chocolate nut, man. Heather shudders when I go to the grocery store. I don't impulse buy, I impulse shop. I don't buy the stuff at the checkout stand. I was like, I know I saw some Cocoa Puffs. I'm gonna go buy some Cocoa Puffs. I'm gonna go find something that Heather's gonna go, why did you buy this? My hands and my feet go through that store because my mind is saying do it. The body of Christ, the church, us, we operate under the directive of the head. The head says to go, the body goes. Paul uses different analogies throughout this. The kingdom. The king says, go, we go. Our father 
says, go. So the children go and do the work of the Father. We carry out the directives of the head. This is what Jesus was talking about. The Great Commission is a statement of release. Jesus said to this, he said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Why? Because I'm the king of kings. I hold the authority. Therefore, since I hold the authority, I'm saying, release, be, go into all the world, teach them, baptize them to obey what I'm, I'm teaching you. And then he says, and I'm going to be with you. So the king isn't saying, leave my presence and go. The king is saying, Here's my authority. I'm going with you. I want to see you operate my authority. When, when Jesus sent out the, the disciples in Mark 6, he says he calls them together and he's going to send them out two by two. And what did he give them? Authority. In Mark 6, it says authority over unclean spirits. In Matthew chapter 10, it says it gave, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to heal the sick, to raise the dead. He gave them the authority of the kingdom. Jesus doesn't send us out without authority. He always equips us to do what he's called us to do. And too many people sit on the sidelines and go, I'm waiting for God to equip me so I can go. God doesn't, he doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. When God called us to plant the church, I was like, God, there's no way I am ready to do this. I can't do this. I don't, I'm not good enough. He said, I didn't call you because you were good enough. I called you to submit to me so that I can equip you to do what I've called you to do. The church, you guys, are called. Here's the question to ask yourself. Where am I released for the kingdom? I mean, it's just, think about this. You don't have the job you have just to collect a paycheck. God didn't set you in your family by his divine sovereignty just so he could watch some sitcom or drama play out with your life. When Paul was speaking to the people of Athens, he said that God made all men from one man and he set the times and places that they would live so that they would reach out and perhaps find God. God has released you into your job so that the people around you can be reached for the gospel. He set you in the family that you're in. He's put you in the school that you go to. He's put you in the neighborhood. Everywhere that you look in life is where God has released you to do the work of the kingdom under his authority. You see, this vine that we are part of in John 15 should grow and produce fruit in every area of our society. Not just inside of four walls when the church unites but every area of society should be impacted because we've been released with the greatest proclamation in the world wherever here. So you and I are called to grow. I mean, if we don't grow, we don't produce. And Jesus says that I'll prune you, that you will be cut off. So growth is natural in a healthy body. Growth should be natural for us in the kingdom. 
And you, you're here as a part of that growth. Let, let me help you with why you're here. This is Matthew 9. The reason you're here is someone reached out to you. And you're here because you have been prayed in. Our staff prays for you. If today's your first day, you've been prayed here. If you're serving in this, in this, in this church, you've been prayed in because we pray for the heart and the character and the hands that, that we need God to reveal. It's Matthew 9. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's plentiful. And pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers into his field. You have been prayed in to this church. You have been prayed in to where you serve. You have been prayed in and you are loved. And now what you've got to realize is you're being released. When we, when we bring on a new elder or we bring on a new staff member, we do what's called a commissioning service. And commissioning service is just us laying hands on them and affirming the call of God on their life. Well, I'm going to do something today that we've never done. Today's a commissioning service for you. Because you have a call of God on your life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commission you, and I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to be released into our mission fields. Ladies and gentlemen, men and women of the Creek Church, there has been a call placed on your life, and that calling is incredible. That calling comes with the authority of Jesus Christ, our King, and comes with the proclamation of what our king has accomplished on the cross. That he defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated sin. That all authority that he holds is the victory over everything. The victory over the enemy. And you've been called to his kingdom. And you are now being released as ambassadors of his kingdom for the reconciliation message that you ladies and gentlemen of the creek have a calling of God placed on your lives that everywhere you go you are commissioned by our king for the work of the kingdom so may you go may you grow and may this gospel change the world with the kingdom that we represent in the name of our mighty Christ who is our King Jesus whose name is above every name that our King Jesus there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved that at that name every knee will bow on earth and under the earth the mighty name of Jesus you are commissioned and released in the ministry. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for reaching us. We thank you that the gospel, this good news of what you've accomplished, Jesus, on the cross, has changed our lives. Father, I want to pray that if there's anyone in this room whose life has never been changed by that message, 
there's anyone that has never submitted their life to you, Jesus, as King, Lord, and Savior, if there's anyone in here that is not connected with the head, I pray right now you bring the greatest gift to them, that gift of life. I pray that you give them the courage to say, Jesus, I need you as King and Lord in my life, and I'm submitting my life to you. Forgive me of everything that separates me from you. And make me a citizen of your kingdom. Father, I pray that we never forget that you've reached us, you've grown us, and you release us. So as we, your church, as we, your body, as we, the subjects of your kingdom, leave this building, May we go and work well with the proclamation that Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, on the throne, ruling and reigning, and ready to bring salvation and redemption to all those who ask. We leave here with your authority in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I love you guys very much. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.